Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. <clears throat> it's not a coincidence that uh, praise and worship is actually one of the ways that we can fight against the enemy and uh, the anxiety, anything, any negative thought pattern, anything that comes our way. Worship is one of our tools because God loves us, but he also gave us a way out of our temptations, our sin, our mind battles, our depression, whatever you're facing today. God, you, uh, God gave you a way out. He gave us tools, and like we've learned uh, this month, just in winning the war, you know, that we are in a spiritual battle, and it's for your very soul. And the enemy will use everything in his disposal to get you off track, to get you believing something else. And it's only through the power of God, the truth, that will set you free this morning. And again, this is one of the, uh, the worship is just one of the methods, the many methods at our disposal. And um, this, this part of this series is called The Importance of the Word. And we'll be focusing on mainly on that this, uh, this morning, but also uh, prayer and worship. Again, these are all tools that God has given us um, to defeat the... Uh, the powers of darkness, and if you go in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, we have it here. For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And um, if we were to begin here, I'd probably begin with this here. All people find it easier to believe a lie instead of truth you know we're can uh, the world is so trying to convince us that we can believe whatever we want you know we we, we are, are blessed to live in an autonomous uh, culture where we get to believe whatever we want but at the end of the day let's stop putting the uh, a halo on the notion that everything is equally true because if we were to think of it if we look at the natural laws if we look at uh, the universe and everything that keeps the universe in place, laws of physics, laws of thermodynamics, you have uh, just many more things. <laughs> all, these, all these laws have one answer for each and every one. You can't believe other things about it. You know, if any of these laws ceased to work or changed, we would not exist. These things are immovable. They don't move. They do not change. And for our lives, our spiritual lives, our answer, our is is God. God does not move. Everything around us is temporary. Christ is eternal. So, just as light drives away darkest, uh, the darkest of darkness, the smallest truth can immediately dispel the biggest lies. Exercising the most anxious scenario from your mind will diminish its hold on you, like rehearsing lines uh, like before, before going, uh, doing a play or something like that, you, you rehearse those so you know them so that you don't stumble. And when you practice confronting your greatest fears, the power they hold begins to weaken. When we use the word of God, it provides our strength, but it also gives us the authority to, uh, to defeat this darkness, right? Because we cannot do it on our own. We have God, we have the word, which is God, and we have each other. You know, and uh, we are not in this battle alone. And uh, just to reiterate uh, this, you know, um, why do people believe lies in the first place? You know, um, uh, this philosopher once said here, uh, people invariably get to their beliefs, not on the basis of proof 
but on the basis of what they find attractive. So people, and I've, I've done this myself. I, I lived a life before Christ um, where I just sought after what I thought was attractive, even if it was to the detriment of my own soul. You know, and, and the Bible is very clear. You know, what is the, what's the purpose of gaining the whole world but losing your soul? And um, truly, I, I've had to um, ponder heavily on these, on these things. And another thing, too, we are also held responsible for believing that lie. Like, if I were up here speaking lies to you, uh, and you believe them, I mean, you are also responsible. I'm not up here because I believe my, my I, I grew up in the church. I grew up under my mom and my dad. I, I'm not standing here because I just believe everything that they said. I went to get that for myself. I learned the truth for myself, and that's why I'm standing here in front of you today, and I encourage you to do the same. If, you're to be, if you are to be a true uh, truth seeker, it begins with you. You are responsible over your own life. <clears throat> so I believe a, bed, a bedrock lie lurks at the root of every unhealthy choice we make, every fear we allow to dominate us, and every dysfunctional pattern we cycle through over and over again. If we can learn how to identify these bedrock lies, we can dig out their roots and finally halt the cycle of what bad choices and self-destruction and self-destructive uh, self behavior. And like you can see yeah, the root here in the other picture. So uh, this, my friends, is exactly what we are going to do this week, to identify and unpack common bedrock lies uh, we will overcome the question and problems that have plagued us for ages and walk with new freedom into God's peace, which is for everyone. God's free gift. We only need to seek God and follow him. So I want to expose the power of lies uh, in all of us, in my own life also. So I want to show you how to identify the lie and fight the lie. And God wants you, again, to overcome it. So we learn the quickest and most accurate way to tell the difference between a lie and the truth is to tune in to the way it makes me feel about myself, others, and God. So obviously applying some introspection, taking a pause, looking at my life. Okay, why am I believing these things? What is this belief system telling? Uh, what is it saying about me? What is it saying about others? What is it saying about God? You know, so a lie and I have, uh, yeah, the difference between a lie and the truth. So the lie here will isolate me, accuse me, condemns me, and makes me feel shame. And I don't know if you've experienced any of those things. I know I have, because uh, I've believed many lies in, <laughs> in my life. And uh, I earnestly want to seek the truth. And this is what the truth will do if we're honest seekers of it today. It will, it challenges me. It invites me, it liberates me, and I get to experience freedom. It gives me that feeling of, of freedom also. So that's what truth will do. It will challenge you. It will challenge your beliefs. It will challenge what you believe, those lies that you have been fed. It, it will challenge everything about you, but it will also invite you to God's healing power because he has victory for each and every one of us today. <clears throat> 
So this is always the design. If we can pay attention to the pattern of lies we listen to, we can predict the process, we can prepare to find the lie and fight the lie. And here's how lies work. If we believe lies long enough, they infiltrate, uh, infiltrate, insulate, intimidate, and recreate. And it's an endless cycle. And obviously, the longer we hold on to these things, the harder it is to break. But there is hope. It only takes a little bit of truth to knock these lies out of place. I've experienced this myself, and I hope that you get to experience it also. So once our eyes are opened to the intent, we can predict the outcome and preempt the process. This undertaking is for you, but it's also for me, because again, I need to apply this and practice this with my own life. So it's a lifelong journey that requires daily attention. It's not something that I can just pray one day and focus on and just forget about it the rest of the week. No, I gotta be intentional each and every day because I know that my mind wanders, I go to other things, I get easily distracted, I'm easily forgetful, and that's basically what a human is. We forget all these things, happens to all of us. Uh, but uh, to live and to love again, I think it's in the next slide. So allowing the truth to set you free. So. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you can only get to the Father except through me. So we are to be, uh, if we are to live and to love again, we need to seek the author of life itself. So a lot of people will ask, how do I start believing the truth after believing a lie my whole life? So the lies we listen to are leading us somewhere, and the destination is always destruction. Because again, everything else apart from God is temporary. Mm -hmm. You just gotta look around and not, not, not too many things last in this life. Even the very universe that we live in, there's, a, there's, a, there's an end date for all of that. You know, when you look at the second law of thermodynamics, which is entropy, it's the law of decay, everything is in a state of decay. Nothing is gonna last forever, even the material realm. So truth possesses uh, a liberating power and when the lie is exposed, it begins to lose all control over you. So the death, grip, uh, the death grip on your life starts to slip away and the truth begins to take root. So you can begin to breathe again, to live again, and to love again. So these are a couple of the lies that we usually believe in. I've believed every one of those lies, so <laughs> maybe you can identify as well. Uh, you are not unloved. God loves you. There was a time in my life where I did not think that God loved me. And again, I mean, I willfully rejected God in my youth, and I was a fool, and uh, in doing so, I didn't think that he still loved me, you know, but that was an outright lie from the enemy that I cast away. Uh, number two here, you are not alone. God's spirit is always with you. Number three, you are not without hope, even when you feel out of control. Four, your suffering is not meaningless. God will use your pain to transform you and others, and he truly does. Um, the pain that I've dealt, uh, had in my life, mostly because of my own foolish actions, um, God still used those to bring restoration to the people in my life, not only just with my brother, with my family, um, friends. Um, God used this pain in instrumentally in my life to affect other people, and I had no idea that I had that kind of power also. You know? So um, yes, there is meaning in suffering, and God will use everything. So number five, you do not need wealth to be secure. 
your Savior offers you complete security. I used to think about wealth and work and all this other stuff before, but the more I trust in the Lord, the, the less I worry about temporal things, about money, about, about where to live, or about clothes on my back or food. I, I, I mean, I've had jobs where I'd leave a job and then I feel fine. I mean, like I'm completely trusting in God. I'm like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling because I'm fully trusting in God that he'll provide for me. And boom, I get a job like that the next, the next week or so. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of things like that I don't stress about anymore. And you don't have to also. Uh, number six, uh, you're not destined to stay stuck. And this is another lie that a lot of people believe that you know, they just they can't fathom uh, them being free from this particular thing, and it's, it's been a whole, holding them back for so long. But there is hope for you today, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. So you can change by the power of God's grace. Believe that today. So for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. So again, the tiniest bit of truth um, breaks the biggest lie. So now imagine what it's like not to just taste the truth, but to feast on it. Imagine your mind, your heart, your relationships, your entire life filled uh, with what God says instead of what the lies say. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's in Deuteronomy. That is, the life of God wants, you, uh, wants for you and I to be free. The life Jesus died to give you and the life you have always wanted. This is how you overcome. And Jesus says here in John 10.10, 10, um, I have it up here, uh, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So if we're going uh, to go to the next slide, and um, again, we, we talked about worship a little bit, and we're going to delve into that a little bit more, but since it's about the word, um, the, next, uh, the next slide is specifically uh, about that, and we're going to break, uh, break it down to the, the nine effects of the word of God. And, and, and the word of God is really, it's, it's simple to understand, and God uses very simple things, illustrations, uh, that make it easy for us to understand. I'm just going to look at a couple of those things this morning. So if you want to go to the next slide, number one. So in Psalms 119, 105, the word is likened to light. Uh, the next slide, actually. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Got a couple too many slides. So uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when we walk through unknown terrain, uh, in darkness and stuff like that, we, we usually have a light so that we can see uh, beyond this, right? So the Bible is, is com they're, they're comparing the Bible to that light, but in the world that we live in, because the world that we live in is darkness, right? And we can't get through it if we don't have a light, and that light is Jesus. And uh, so we can uh, know nothing of God's way, uh, God's a way of salvation apart from the Bible. Furthermore, the Bible gives light to the Christian on a pathway of right doctrine, showing up at the same time the pitfalls of false teaching alongside the road. So whenever we just, just, just focus on the word, meditate on the word each and every day, 
the, the less these lies come to get us, uh, la- the less these false, faulty thinking and faulty negative patterns come to get us because we are in the truth. When we're in the truth, these things tend to not affect us as much. And if, we're, if, we, if we seek it each and every day, I mean, hey, we, we, are com- we would be completely free from this also. Another thing that the Word of God is likened to is a looking glass, so a mirror. So we need a mirror, obviously, to see when we, we wake up in the morning, we go to the bathroom, brush our teeth, get, get our hair done, and make sure everything's fine, right, with our face and whatnot. So the Bible has the same effect, but instead of our, our physical appearance, our outward appearance, it's, it has the, uh, it's the same effect, but on our heart. You know, it's a mirror. Well, if you want to know if there's something wrong in you, look at the Bible, and you'll know. You'll know. You compare your life to the Bible, and it will show you exactly who you are. So here it says, um, the Bible does something similar in that it shows me the condition of my heart before God. It corrects me and reproves me so that I might be perfect and fully equipped to serve him. So many people today are deceive, uh, deceiving themselves about their spiritual condition, thinking that there is nothing wrong with them. Why? Because they have never subjected themselves to the mirror of God's word. It is possible that even as believers, we may be unaware of sins of which we are guilty before God. I have often found during times of meditation on the scriptures that the Holy Spirit has made me aware of some sin, of some selfish motive, or perhaps even my actions, of which I was totally unaware until he made it known. So we need to subject ourselves to the daily examination uh, through the mirror of God's word if we are to avoid spiritual stagnation and decay. Not a day goes by in our lives without our examining our faces in a mirror and may not a day go by either without their examining uh, in our hearts. So number three is uh, the word of God is likened unto fire and fire purifies. It's used as a symbolism of purification in the Bible and they use a uh, they'll use gold as a um, as an example here. So it's used as a symbol of uh, of that which purifies, uh, purifies or burns up. So gold put into the fire is purified, whereas wood is consumed. The word of God similarly has a purifying effect upon our lives, eliminating from them what is unchristlike. It's not only it not only shows us our faults, but it also makes us holy. No man can ever uh, hope to be holy without spending time every day at the Lord's feet. The same fire will burn up the ones who reject the word. Our attitudes towards God's word determines whether it will purify or destroy. If we submit to it, it will purify us. If we ignore or spurn it, then it will surely consume us. Uh, Number four is uh, the word is likened unto a hammer. And I'm not talking about a regular carpentry hammer for for nails and whatnot. Back in the day, whenever they built roads uh, and there was an obstacle in the way, they would, uh, like a a mountain or like they'd have crazy amounts of stones or something like that, they would break those by hand. Well, well, not by by hand, but with a hammer. Right, to get it done today, I mean, the equivalent of that would be dynamite. And if you if you ever went to um, Matapedia, Morsi Rock, underneath that stone, there's a, a tunnel for trains to pass. Right. So picture, use that as a, so the word, 
is likened to a hammer. And for us, for today, for, to make it simple for us today, uh, likened to uh, dynamite, as in is it removes obstacles in our way. Right? Not physical obstacles, obviously. Right? I think we all get the point. Uh, so we all face... Now, we all face trials and problems in our lives, situations in which the mountains have closed in upon us, and it appears as though we have reached a dead end. Often we have remained in such situations, discouraged and defeated, not knowing what to do or where to turn. But our ignorance at such times of the promises that God has given us in scriptures has prevented us from claiming them. Otherwise, like dynamite, they would have blasted away the obstacles in our path and taken us triumphantly through the mountain barrier to the other side. How much we have missed by not knowing the word. And that's something that I need to do even more of. I mean, I do read my word every day, but I'd love to study it a lot more and meditate uh, on, on scriptures just for, not only for my benefit, but the benefit, firstly for my benefit, but for the benefit of others. Because I'm, uh, I mean, I'm up here, I'm teaching, so if you guys have answers, they gotta ask sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to continue on here, um, okay. Ah, yes. All right, so the next, the next one is number five. Yeah, okay, likened to a seed. So the word of God likened to a seed, which when sowed, uh, sown into the ground produces fruit, depending on what you're trying to grow. But we're talking about the word of God growing in our lives, so we're specifically talking about that. So the states uh, in Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, um, 23, states that our new birth itself is a result of that seed sprouting in our hearts. Only as we are fruitful can God be glorified through our lives. Is there in your life um, and service fruit for the glory of God? Is it manifested in your own life first, uh, first of all? Obviously, we should examine our lives to see if it's there in terms of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. Are those fruits present in your life today. If not, I mean, I think this is, this is where we, we, we take it up with God, we go to our word, we pray, and we sincerely ask for these things. Uh, and then, do you find fruit in your service in the shape of sinners turning to the Lord and believers being drawn closer to him? If not, perhaps, reason is that you are not regularly receiving the word of God into your own heart as seed, having life in itself. And Psalms 1, 2, and 3 tells us that it is the man who regularly meditates on God's word who alone will be like the fruitful tree, prospering in all that he or she does. And number six, the word of God is also likened unto food. So the same symbol occurs again in Jeremiah 15, 16, in 1 Peter 2, 2. It says here, the prophet Ezekiel and the apostle John are each shown to in scriptures as eating, in quotations, a book. Uh, we have here a picture of uh, men assimilating and digesting the word of God. Food gives us strength, and the comparison that they're trying to make is, you know, we need, we need food to survive. We need nutrition, proper nutrition. We need food uh, so that we are not weakened, so that we're not uh, ex um, predisposed to, to diseases, so that we... Um, so that we'd hold a constitution and we need to 
feed ourselves in order to stay healthy, correct? And the same thing is true for our spiritual lives. And the way that we do that is through the word of God, through consuming truth that we become holy, that we become healthy spiritually. And not too many things will come to affect us if we're a people of God's word, if we're a people who seek after truth. So only those who regularly meditate on God's word grow into strong, um, uh, vigilant Christians. Mere reading of the Bible will not make you strong, but meditating upon it allows the word to penetrate into the very core of your being and thus to become a part of you. Hiding in your heart, as in Psalms 119. So number seven here, the word is likened unto dew, and like the fresh morning dew, you know when you wake up in the morning and you look outside and there's like little watery goblets all over the place and it just looks beautiful. And in the Bible, they use this as a sign of blessing. Whenever you saw that, uh, the blessing of the dew and the morning rain, uh, it was just a sign of blessing. And this symbol teaches, therefore, that God's blessing comes through the word upon all who receive and obey it. In Proverbs 10, 22, it declares that that blessing can enrich us, making up for all our shortcomings. What an encouragement that is. The blessing is that, um, that comes to us through the word makes up for all our lack. You may be lacking in talents and unable to preach or sing or pray like others, but when the dew of heaven falls on your life, notwithstanding all your natural limitations, can God still make you a channel of blessing to thousands? And it... It never ceases to amaze me. Um, just it doesn't matter what you think you don't have. That's a good place to be. God has everything you need, regardless. Uh, I remember this uh, preacher. And well, he wasn't. A, he's a guy who was highly educated. Went to Cambridge and um, has multiple PhDs. And uh, he spent a lot of time in um, Mozambique. In it's a country in uh, South Africa, and. Uh, in that particular uh, particular area where he was, they did not have a written language. So he was there writing their language for them, so that they can that so that they can learn it in schools and teach it in schools. And, uh, and he was translating all these things. Like I mean, a brilliant a really brilliant guy. Um, he would also um, I mean he also translated the Bible into their language for these people also and I remember this one part uh, one thing that he was talking about this um, he went to this Sunday service and there's this woman there uh, this uh, this woman who who was I mean she lived she went through a lot and her husband left her and all, all no, nobody's there she lives alone and get this she's also blind she's blind she lives alone she had learned to plant food for herself, like herself. She did it herself. Nobody else was there growing these things for her. And here she was, worshiping God in this place, and no concern, no, no worries over life. She was praising the Lord for what she had. And she had very little, but here she was thanking God for the very little that she had. And it kind of goes to show, I mean, it, you don't need talents and all these things uh, to feel wanted or accepted because God has already accepted you through sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ on the cross. And everything that you need is in him. So if you, th you think you, you, don't uh, you don't have natural abilities, it doesn't matter. I mean, 
I didn't even think I had speaking abilities until God came into my life and I started believing what he believed about me rather than belie- believing what people believed about me, all right? I had a pair, <laughs> I wasn't much of a public speaker before. I was terrified of doing so and I would always stutter or mispronounce my words and have difficulties with this in the past and I was laughed at and all these other things. Uh, but the moment I stopped believing what people spoke over me and started believing what God was speaking over me and looking at the word of God, the last, the, the, the noise of the world affected me, mm-hmm. right? And I, I was not, I didn't feel like I was naturally gifted at anything, but here I am, God is giving me all these, these gifts, these, these things that I never even thought I had, right? Because this is, he's the one manifesting it in me, mm-hmm. you know? So praise God to that. Um, so to continue here, number eight. So the word of God is further likened unto wealth. So in Psalms 119, uh, 160, 162, and there's a lot of verses in this one, um, or to gold as in other passages of scripture, money cannot make you truly wealthy. The wealth that we're talking about here would be like in Matthew 6, 19, 21, it says here, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So we are called, when you make, when you make that decision for Christ, we're, we're now one with him. We're called sons and daughters of the most holy God. So we have everything. We, we have everything that we need in him. We are wealthy. And the answer will always be there in the experience of some biblical character that parallels uh, your own or in the teaching, uh, the teaching of Scripture. If you know your Bible, you will find the, the time of crisis that the Holy Spirit brings you uh, brings to your remembrance the uh, appropriate message or passage um, uh, and from, from it gives you his answer. So number nine here, and the last one for what the word is likened to is the sword. And it's the sword of the spirit. So the Christian life is a constant battle with a cunning foe. Again, there's an enemy after each and every one of our souls today. But again, God has not left us at, uh, empty-handed. He has given us tools. He has given us things that we can fight with and it's through the word of God. Just like when Jesus was in the, the, the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by the enemy, he used the word, the very word of God to fight him off. And that is the same thing that we should do whenever the enemy comes to attack us, whenever lies come to us. Does it align with the word of God is what we should do. You know, so just some examples here. If it has... Um, Uh, With it, he has knocked down many. Okay, so Moses, Elijah, and Jonah uh, each trembled at its shock, but each one of these men overcame his own depression by listening to the word of of God. You and I may be able to temporarily, uh, uh, able to temporarily tide over our discouragement by occupying ourselves in some way that provides a diversion, but only by the word of God itself can we ever overcome it completely. And Jesus himself overcame Satan again in the wilderness with the word of God. So that's the same 
thing that we should be equipping our lives with. And again, like what you heard with um, Erica a couple weeks ago about putting on the armor of God, then this is something that we need to do for each and every one of us. Not like physical armor, obviously, but we put on the helmet, uh, we put on the, that we keep the sword of truth on us at all times, all these things. We need to uh, position ourselves each and every day uh, to fight off the enemy because he's gonna come at you every day, every minute. So we need to be prepared. Now, um, and okay, so to move on here, we, we talked about the words. We'll move on to worship as another tool uh, that God has given us to fight off the enemy. So in Jeremiah 20, 13, it says here, sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord, he rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. So worship is a key tactic in spiritual warfare. So the fact or the act of praising God helps us uh, combat the lies of the enemy and shut out that inner dialogue telling us we're not enough. It's impossible to focus on his goodness, faithfulness, power and might while also feeling weak, worried, afraid, or alone. By definition, worship is not uh, is any expression of reverence and adoration for God. We are worshiping when we give our tithes. We are worshiping when we serve with, with a joyful heart. We are worshiping sh uh, when we show love to our neighbor and when we help someone in need. These are all of the ways that we do these things. In Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And worship is simply showing gratitude to God for who he is and what he's done, and it's a powerful weapon against the enemy, even when our, live, our lives are in shambles. When you look at, um, I, think, I, I think a lot of us have um, put on like just worship music in the background whenever we're going through something and we're just focusing on the words and we're focusing on God. That, that, that is one of our weapons that we use. When we look at uh, Paul and Silas in Acts, and when they were in prison, they were beaten first, and they, they were in, held in a dark cell. They didn't make it about where they were. They just started singing. They started praising God. You know, they, already, they were already free in their spirit. They already had victory because of Christ. But here they had victory over this darkness that they were also in, in, in the, just the, the natural realm. So... That's what we ought to do when it comes to worship. So when we worship, our whole focus is on God, and it's the best way to block out the lies of the enemy because in a state of worship, we remember who God is, what he brought us out of, and how he can be trusted to do it again. And the last, lastly, we have prayer. Prayer as our, as our next tool. So prayer is a powerful way to join the fight in this spiritual battle. If you're not sure where to start, there's good news. God intended it to be as easy as talking to a friend, and truly, this is really what it is. He doesn't care how we say our prayers or how long or short. Those things do not matter to him. It, what matters is that we're going to him in the first place, right? He just wants us to talk to him. In fact, if God had his way, we would pray without ceasing throughout the day. It doesn't necessarily mean long prayers constantly throughout the day, but we'd be thinking about him. We'd be, uh, throughout the day, we'd be thinking about other people, and whenever, whenever there's, when you, whenever you meet someone in the street and you just get this, this 
sense to, to pray for them, then you pray for them, you know what I mean? Those are, those are the, uh, that's what it means to pray without ceasing also. Uh, for example, we may quickly ask for safety while we're driving or thank God for his crea- creativity when we see a beautiful scenery. We may invite him into our conversations with friends or ask him to guide us in making business decisions. We may ask him to guard our hearts and minds when we look in the mirror and don't like what we see. The reality is the voice of the enemy could become the, cons- uh, the constant in our lives if we don't intentionally fill this space with God, with his word, in prayer, in worship. The enemy loves to get us feeling isolated, but with prayer, we're never alone. So the night, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus was overcame with grief. And the Bible says he threw himself face down on the ground and poured his heart out to his heavenly father. He begged and pleaded for a different outcome, but ultimately he surrendered to God's will. This should be the example we follow. Our prayers don't have to feel pretty. They don't even have to be words. God knows the mornings of our heart, and he fights for us. He hears us. He is there for us. We can cry or be angry. God can handle our emotions. We don't need to avoid our feelings when we feel attacked, but turn to God for help. And I have some quotes here. Um, in the days... Um, in days, the stronghold of the devil will crumble when the people of God get right with God and storm heaven in prayer. That's by Keith Daniels in this last quote here. Uh, the more God's people reckon with the devil in their pray, uh, praying, the more they will taste of the liberty of the spirit in dealing with the issues of life. So I hope that answers your question about the lies that we believe today. You're not... Don't, don't believe the lies that, you, that you're stuck. Don't believe these things because there is a way out. God has provided a way out for each and every one. I've experienced it. I'm sure there's still things in my life that God still needs to expose, but whenever those, uh, those, time, uh, those times come, I will be, I'll hopefully I'll be willing to deal with those things and believe his truth rather than believe uh, the lie that has been spoken over me or the lies that I believe myself. Again, we are responsible for the lies that we believe about ourselves. We won't have an excuse when the day of judgment comes, but there is freedom in Christ for all of those who want it. And um, yeah, I'll end, I'll end it with that and I'll pray also just for us this, this morning. Heavenly Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your Son to die for our sins, Lord Jesus. In thought, deed, and action, Lord God, I thank you for loving us so much, Lord God, regardless of our, our, our rebellion, regardless of us straying away, Lord Jesus. You are so faithful and good to your people, Lord. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord God, that we experience freedom, that we experience victory and liberty that is found in you, Lord God. I pray that each and every one of us, Lord God, would lay down our lives for you, Lord, that we lay down anything that is is coming between us, any obstacle, any faulty thinking, any lie, any anything that has destroyed us, Lord God. I pray for freedom, Lord. I pray that you'd help us, Lord Jesus, to cast these things aside, to believe in you rather than the things that are temporary around us, Lord. God, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day and the people that you have brought here today, Lord God. 
pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.